They say you have three names. The one you inherit from your family. The one your parents gave you. And the one you make for yourself. So create the brand of you. Find the job you've always dreamed of and make it yours by going to Irish Jobs, Ireland's online recruitment platform. Take control of your career. Visit irishjobs.ie and move up to the next level you. Irish Jobs. Make a name for yourself. I'm Rod Serling. You're listening to The Zero Hour. Rest your eyes. Exercise your imagination. This week, Patricia Power's eerie saga of a neighborhood besieged. Face of the foe. Starring Jessica Walter. Joseph Campanella. And Judy Kern. In Elliot Lewis's production of The Zero Hour. Mutual Broadcasting System presents The Zero Hour. Sponsored in part by Waker State Motor Oil and State Farm Insurance. This is The Zero Hour on Mutual Radio. greatest winter concern for Montreal residents is hockey. But this is no ordinary winter in Montreal. Only the climate is as usual, and Canadians have learned to deal with inclement weather. But in one particular neighborhood, there's something outside more terrible than snow, or so it would seem to young Nicole Nugent. She enlisted the company of the gentleman-manor janitor of her building to join her in walking an hysterical woman, one Kathleen Windsor, safely home. Seeing the middle-aged woman's plush apartment and frilly little girl bedroom, and having witnessed her flirtatious manner with her male escort, Nicole concludes that the shadowy pursuer that Miss Windsor claimed was following her home in the night was merely the product of a lonely spinster's fertile imagination. But now, Kathleen Windsor is dead. And for Nicole Nugent... A story in the newspaper lends credence to the theory that there is a fiend on the loose, and he's somewhere, very close by. Face of the Foe will continue after this word. If your house needs insulation, and you don't have storm windows and doors, and caulking around the doors and windows, you could be spending 50% more than necessary on heating costs this winter. The National Bureau of Standards recommends three inches of insulation in the walls and under the floor of your house, and six inches in the attic. Weather stripping movable door and window joints and caulking around the frames will stop cold drafts. And storm windows and doors can drastically cut heat loss through glass. While you're thinking about heat loss, hot water pipes lose a lot of their heat going through cool basements, unless they have an insulated wrapping. So think seriously about spending a little money to save quite a bit. You will also save on short fuel supplies. For more information about cutting, heating, and cooling costs, send for a copy of the fact sheet, Home Energy Savers. 
It's free. From Consumer Information, Pueblo, Colorado, 81009. Maybe the man who killed her was someone else, someone she knew. Why, why do you say that? How did he get in? She wouldn't open a door to a stranger, would she? Especially if she had really just escaped from a man following her. Chris is right, Nikki. It doesn't make sense. It must have been someone she knew. Which means it doesn't have anything to do with you and what happened last night. So try to put the whole thing out of your mind. I'll fix us all a drink. And then I'm going to say goodnight, Buffett. Let you put that poor stuffy head of yours to bed. Bed was one thing, but sleep was another. My head began to throb. I didn't know whether it was from my cold or the image I couldn't keep out of my mind. Kathleen Windsor with her little girl curls and big blue please-like-me eyes lying lifeless beneath the ruffled canopy of her four-poster bed under the sightless glass-button stare of the giant plush teddy bear in the corner. The sudden ring of the telephone startled me. Laura was evidently sleeping too soundly to hear it. Lucky Laura. Hello? Miss Prescott. No, this isn't... Where is she? Who is this? Is she out with a boyfriend? Who is this calling? I'll call again. Who was that, I wondered? As far as I knew, Laura had no man in her life. And the man on the phone, whoever he was, sounded like someone she wouldn't want to have in it. In the morning, I mentioned what happened. Norman Roxburgh. I'm sure that's who it was. Holy, what a nerve. Calling and asking questions about my business. As if he had a right to know. Who is he? Oh, just someone in my restaurant administration class. Just hang up on him if he calls again. But it seemed I'd barely gotten settled on the sofa and begun to drowse off when Laura gently shook me awake. Sorry, Nikki, but I'm afraid you're going to have company. Oh, oh no, who? Your Aunt Emily. She just phoned. I tried to put her off, but you know your Aunt Emily. I wouldn't trade my Aunt Emily for a round dozen of anybody else's aunts. And granted, she was a little eccentric. And some people might even say crazy. The truth of the matter was, she was just gloriously herself. A blithe spirit. Unfortunately, though I was only 24 and she was close to 70, just listening to Aunt Emily took more energy than I was up to in my present condition. You sound like a frog, dear. But never mind. They turn into princes, you know. As bad as I felt, I had to admit the sight of Aunt Emily was like a spring tonic. Lately, she'd been attending Sunday feasts at the Park Avenue Hare Krishna Temple. She loved the food, the incense, the dancing, the hand clapping. And she generally dropped in at our apartment afterward, swathed in a sheet with tillax painted on her forehead and 108 Joppa prayer bees adorning her scrawny neck. Today, however, she'd just come from her regular attendance at St. Simon's Church, for which she wore the slightly more conventional attire of a jaunty bright wool cape over knickers and argyle knee socks. Laura! Do you suppose I could have a drop or two of brandy? Of course. We'll all have some. Be good for Nikki's cold. I had some shocking news at church today, and I'm quite unstrung. What news, Aunt Emily? Murder. 
the second member of our church choir in a week. First Elsie and now Kathleen. Kathleen Windsor sang in the choir at your church? And now she's been strangled by someone the same as Elsie was. And both of them are Winnicott Road, where I live. Oh, Aunt Emma. I know. It's a bit unnerving. Everybody in the choir warned me to be careful. But I told them no one would bother killing an old woman like me. I've been getting some strange vibes from Kathleen lately. What do you, what do you mean, vibes? He, she just wasn't herself. She was usually so quiet and subdued. A good little girl, as her mother would say. But these past few weeks, something had really turned her on. She started acting all nervous and giggly. Probably because her mother was away in the hospital. She felt free for a change. That must have been it. I can't think of anything else it could be. You don't suppose she could have found a boyfriend? Heavens, no. Kathleen was deathly afraid of men. Only... Only what, Aunt Emily? I remember one Sunday a month or so ago, just after her mother went into the hospital. Kathleen didn't stay after church for choir practice. Was that unusual? Very. She never missed choir practice. And as it happened, I had to skip that Sunday, too, because of a cold. I had a throat as froggy as yours, Nikki. No good for singing. Well, so what happened, Aunt Emily? Well, I was walking home... And about a block away from church, I could swear I saw Kathleen Windsor in a car with a man. There's a little town in western Pennsylvania called Oil City where they make peace of mind. They put it up in quart-sized green and white cans and ship millions of them all over the land to people who don't want to worry about their cars. This peace of mind for car owners is called Quaker State Motor Oil. The folks who make it are experts, men who really know motor oil, because that's been Quaker State's specialty for over 50 years. Quaker State starts with the finest natural petroleum the earth provides, 100% pure Pennsylvania grade crude oil. Then they put it through step after step of refining and fortify it to fight heat and rust and dirt and wear and give your engine the protection it needs. Quaker State Motor Oil. Who says you can't buy peace of mind? Quaker State, your car. You keep it running, yeah. You keep it running. We'll return to our story in a moment. Your Heart Association presents Stiller and Mirror. Honey, I'm going to test you. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have high blood pressure, what are the things you should do? Watch your weight. Right. Follow your doctor's instructions on uh, on um, smoking. Yeah. Uh, take your medicine. Good. Mm, get plenty of rest. Terrific. Hey, honey, let's stay home tonight, huh? <laughs> and uh, exercise, but uh, don't overdo it. Right. We'll stay home tonight, okay? <laughs> okay? Um, yeah, and you got to rest before you get tired, right? Exactly. So we'll stay home tonight, okay? Okay, we'll stay home tonight. Terrific. Hey, wait a minute. What? You don't happen to have high blood pressure, do you? Me? Of course not. I have my checkup at the doctor. I'm terrific. And I made an appointment for you. Why? Because I love you. And only a doctor can tell. Another way to protect your loved ones is to give to the Heart Fund. This whole business is just another reminder that we should all live life to the fullest while we're here. 
Well, hurry and get rid of that cold, Nikki, and give that man of yours a kiss for me when you see him. I will, Aunt Emily. Don't disturb yourself, dears. I'll see myself out. Oh, he wore flowing robes and sandals, and he came with love for all. With a flourish of her cape, she pirouetted across the room and was gone. I was glad it was winter. With the streets frozen over with snow and sleet, Aunt Emily had temporarily stored away her favorite mode of transportation. A gleaming red motorcycle. I spent the rest of Sunday catching snatches of fevered sleep. Monday morning, I felt slightly more human, but not quite up to my job as secretary to the principal of Kensington School for Girls. When Laura left for work, I called in sick and went through my ritual of lighting the fire in the living room, bringing a blanket and Kleenex in from the bedroom and curling up on the sofa again. I didn't stay curled up long. Forgive me, mademoiselle, but I am Detective Lieutenant Noel Philippe uh, from Homicide. Homicide? You are Mademoiselle Nugent, are you not? Yes, I am, but... Then you're the person I've come to see. Uh, may, may I come in? Yes, yes, of course. I don't understand. I wish to question you about Kathleen Windsor, the woman who was murdered. You knew her, did you not? No, not really. I mean, I only met her once, briefly. Uh, briefly or not, mademoiselle. According to the information I've been given, you were one of the last persons to see Kathleen Windsor alive. Uh, you and uh, Monsieur Georges Montreuil. Yes, that's true. But how did you... Uh, apparently, you didn't consider such a fact of sufficient importance to inform the police? I'm sorry. I, I suppose I should have. Yes, mademoiselle, you, you should have. But now I think you and I must have our little conversation, tardy though it may be. Lieutenant Philippe was of medium height with a weary face and bleak gray eyes that looked as though they'd seen too much of the seamy side of life. He looked like a tired bloodhound as he trailed me into the living room and sank heavily into the chair by the fire. Please tell me everything that happened when Miss Windsor came here last Friday night. Uh, do not omit anything, no matter how trivial it may seem. Lieutenant? Uh, yes, mademoiselle? The two murders on Winnicott Road, do you think the same person committed them both? It is too soon to draw such conclusions. A psychopath may read of a murder in the paper, and his feverish brain is inspired to duplicate the act. Thus, one murder often leads to another. What a terrible thought. Mm. In the two incidents on Winnicott Road, there is the similarity in the method of murder, strangulation. But there is also an important difference. The Grunberger woman had not been sexually molested. The Windsor woman was. Of course, in the Grunberger case, the killer may have intended to molest his victim, but did not have the time. The car in the garage was running, and he knew the owner might return at any moment. It's all too terrible to think about. Yes. Murder is never pleasant to contemplate, mademoiselle. But in the event of two murders of women in your immediate vicinity, I suggest you must give it some thought, hmm? Oh, yes, yes, we will. We'll be careful. There, There is sometimes a sexual element in murders by strangulation. Uh, 
We may be dealing with a sexual deviant. Have you talked to Mr. Matry, Lieutenant? Perhaps he might remember something I've forgotten. Ah, I, I, I was wondering when you would think to bring up Monsieur Matry. He was, after all, the only other known person to be with Kathleen Windsor just before her death. He's a very nice man, Lieutenant. I, I'm sure you'd find him most obliging. Ah, I'm afraid, Mademoiselle Nugent, at this moment we do not find him. So, Mr. Matry, it seems, has disappeared before we could question him. Disappeared? Uh, tell me what you know of the man. Not very much, I suppose. I've lived here a year, and he's always been very polite and helpful. And that is why you thought of him to accompany you to, uh, and Miss Windsor to her home, is that correct? Yes. And also, I remember just telling me once that he liked to take walks at night. Ah. But, Lieutenant, that doesn't mean he walked around murdering women. Oh, perhaps not. Perhaps not. But then, what reason do you suggest he had for not wanting to be questioned by the police? A very good one, as a matter of fact. I'm thinking of a conversation I had with him last summer. He was working outside in the garden, and I was admiring the flowers he planted. He told me then how he had fled from Hungary in the 1956 revolution. How terrible it was there for his family and himself. He was so thankful to be living here in Montreal. Yes, oh, oh, that's very interesting. Well, don't you see? No wonder he ran away from the police. He was afraid from his past experiences. Huh. A sound enough theory, perhaps, mademoiselle. Except for one thing. What is that, Lieutenant? Uh, I'm afraid we have uncovered another reason for his fear of the police. The record shows that your nice, quiet Monsieur Matry has actually served two terms in prison. What for? For molesting women, mademoiselle. Agent Darrell Hutchison of Garden City, Georgia, explains why personal service and car insurance is just as important as State Farm Mutual's low rates. We are not always the lowest price that an individual can find for insurance. I have had people come by that have already gotten prices from other companies. They come by, and this particular time, we were a little higher than they were. But after talking with them, tell them that I can give them one thing that the other company cannot give them, and that is my first-line service. They know that I am here. I'm here to stay as an agent. And these points uh, make a difference. They don't want to be treated as a number. They still want to be treated as an individual, especially when they have a claim problem. They want to be given service because that's what they're paying for. The Zero Hour continues after this. Young I may be, but still I'm a man. Just turned 18 and I'll do what I can. Find me a place where I can be me. Get ready for life, be free and free. Oh, where do I go from here? Oh, where do I go from here? I'm finished with school, but what lies ahead? Don't want to get trapped, want to feel free instead. All over the world, there's so much to do. The call of the sea, don't you? Oh, where do I go from here? Oh, where do I 
about the new Navy. You'll get your chance of success, learn an exciting job, and see the world. Call toll-free 800-841-8000 or see your Navy recruiter. Be someone special in the new Navy. I know where I'm going from here. The most puzzling aspect of the Kathleen Windsor murder is how the killer got into her apartment. There was no sign of forced entry, which leads to the obvious conclusion that she willingly opened the door to whomever it was. And do you think it might have been George Mitry? He had witnessed the type of woman she was and knew that she was alone in her apartment. He could very easily have returned and gained admittance on the pretext that he wanted to be certain everything was all right. And you think she would have let him in? Mademoiselle, have you not been insisting all along that he was not the type that anyone would take to be a murderer? Lieutenant Philippe had made his point. He lifted himself wearily out of his chair, reclaimed his battered hat, and left me with the information that a man would be stationed in our building in the event that George Mitry returned. When I finally crawled back into my cocoon by the fire, I was shivering again. But this time it wasn't from the cold. Luckily, Chris chose just the right moment to cheer me up with a phone call. Stop trying to blame yourself, Muffet. You had no way of knowing about Mr. Mitry. Maybe he isn't a murderer. Maybe he's just a sweet little dirty old man. Oh, Chris. I'm so glad you called. <laughs> well, I figured you might need a little cheering up. And how about continuing the treatment with a night out this Friday, if you're feeling okay by then? If I'm not okay by then, I'll never be. Guy and Lisa have invited us to a play at a buffet supper at their place afterward. Sounds like the perfect cure for a shut-in. What's the play about? Oh, something written by a friend of Guy's, a comedy. Just as long as it isn't a murder mystery. Even if the play were disappointing, an evening with Lisa and one of her buffet suppers could never be. She was a friend from my school days, and Chris had become as fond of her as I was. Lisa had met and married Guy Sabarin less than a year ago. Unfortunately, neither Chris nor I liked the man, but we'd learned to tolerate him for Lisa's sake. At the moment, I found myself thinking I was going to have to get well by Friday night if I were going to stomach a whole evening in Guy Sabarin's company. Hello? Aunt Emily, Nikki. How are you feeling? Oh, getting better, and you? Splendid. Nikki, I was wondering, do you suppose Laura will be willing to bake a birthday cake for me? I'd pay her for the ingredients, of course. Laura makes such beautiful cakes. And Donald, such a nice boy. So much soul. Oh, I'm sure Laura would love to, Aunt Emily. But who is Donald? Donald Hamill. I got him from the drop-in center. The drop-in center? For homeless use. On Leary. He comes from Windsor. Couldn't stand it at home and ran away. Says he won't go back again, and I don't blame him for what he tells me. Aunt Emily, you didn't... Bring him home with me? Well, of course I did. Where else was there for the poor boy to go? I'm going to keep him with me until he finds a job and can look after himself. Aunt Emily, I don't think it's very wise of you to take in some strange boy like that. Oh, Donald isn't strange. He's a very good boy. Awfully quiet and shy, but not sullen like Tony. Now, you're right about Tony. He is a strange boy. And I'm not so sure I should have let him come home with me. 
Who is Tony, Aunt Emily? Tony Pisa, Donald's friend. Although I wonder if he really is. I know for a fact Tony's going steady with Mary Jane. And I'm afraid he has Donald flirting with her. Mary Jane? Is that someone else you brought home with you? Oh, dear, no. Mary Jane is marijuana, dear. You mean Tony Barthas into drugs? Oh, Aunt Emily, I don't think you should let him stay with you. Don't worry. I'm not going to for long. I don't like his attitude. Cheers. The rest of the day passed uneventfully, except for another encounter with T. Oliphant when I went to the lobby to get the mail. I was wearing a cable-knit sweater and my oldest pair of corduroy slacks for warmth, and T. Oliphant looked me up and down in the same manner that he had Kathleen Windsor. A new thought occurred to me. Maybe he just didn't approve of women wearing pants. I scuttled past him quickly and hurried back to the sheltering circle of my fire like primitive man huddling against evil spirits. A few moments later, I had fallen sound asleep. It was dark in the room when I woke up. Laura had her class on Monday nights and didn't come home for dinner. The room was chilly. I put more wood on the fire and turned on the lamp. I thought of all the things I needed to do before I left on my trip to Jamaica. Clothes to sew, laundry to do, Christmas presents to wrap. I still didn't have the energy. I picked up a book to read, making certain it wasn't the one I'd been reading the night Kathleen Windsor had come pounding on my door. <gasps> Laura came in so quietly I didn't hear her. I gave a start when she suddenly materialized beside me. She looked strange. Her face pale, her eyes staring. Laura, is something wrong? There's someone with me, Nikki. May I ask him in? Of course. She walked to the hall and in a moment returned with a man at her side. Pleasant looking, sensitive features with dark blonde hair that just brushed the collar of his expensively tailored suit. Mr. Brooke, this is my roommate, Nicole Nugent. Nikki, this is Julian Brooke. How do you do? I'm pleased to meet you, Mr. Brooke. Laura, what's wrong? Something is, I can tell. I'm afraid Miss Prescott doesn't feel yet like talking about it, Miss Nugent. You see, she's just had a ruddy bad scare. Laura, what happened? A man attacked her on the street. Tried to drag her off into the park. Got to get out of this city of night. Find me, oh, find me, my city of light. You are listening to Mutual's presentation of The Zero Hour. Once upon a time, there was a beautiful forest where everything was all lovely and green and peaceful. Sunlight fell in ribbons of daylight through its trees. Birds flew in the quiet air above it. Deer and rabbits found secret hiding places to play, for it was truly a beautiful place. And then one day, into this beautiful emerald forest, a new creature came, a creature called man. And man brought with him fire to warm him against the night. Only with his fire, man did not bring caution and the fire got away from him suddenly. 
and the beautiful forest was no more. And yet there might easily be a different ending. For if man is careful with his fire, he need never say, once upon a time, there was a beautiful forest. I'm Lucille Maness, an unsuccessful big businesswoman. And I'd like to tell you a little bit about my unsuccessful business. I was the co-founder of this woman's book club, but we ran into a little trouble. We had all kinds of problems, so I called SCORE. Uh, that's the Service Corps of Retired Executives. Uh, the retired executives who volunteer to help small businesses. I went over and discovered Lucille was in deep trouble. I made several simple business suggestions. I also strongly recommended the club seek incorporation with a well-established women's magazine until its membership increased sufficiently. Unfortunately, one of my associates really didn't like the idea of a man giving us advice, so she wrote herself a check with the remainder of what we had left in the treasury and took off. Well, Mr. Krauss came back to help again. A man who knows how to solve problems likes to keep solving them. Volunteer for SCORE. SCORE is one part of action. Action is doing something. There is something you can do. Tomorrow at this time, rest your eyes and listen here to this week's continuing study in suspense, Face of the Foe. I'm Rod Serling, and this is The Zero Hour. Today's episode brought to you in part by Quaker State Motor Oil and State Farm Insurance. This is The Zero Hour on Mutual Radio. been listening to The Zero Hour, a presentation of the Mutual Broadcasting System in association with Hollywood Radio Theater, heard every weekday at this time. Rod Serling is your host. Zero Hour is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis. The Hollywood Radio Theater theme was played by Ferranti and Teicher and is now available on United Artists Records and Tapes. Hugh Douglas speaking. Tune in tomorrow. And once again, rest your eyes and listen here to The Zero Hour. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.